Welcome to another episode of Racks and Reels, the hunting, fishing, outdoor show where we talk with real folks about their strategies, stories, and things we love about the outdoors. I'm your host, Mitch Gordon. Welcome to Racks and Reels, Minnesota. Hey boys and girls, welcome to the show. Um, this week on the show, man, we got a bunch of guys going out elk hunting out west here. And when you hear this podcast, um, guys will be just preparing for it of that week and probably headed out uh, the week of uh, when this podcast released. But um, we have Ryan Matson. He's headed out to Idaho. And then a friend of mine, Justin Bidwell, he's heading out to Southwest Colorado. So a lot of questions come up of what's in their backpack, what kind of hunting are they doing, and so on. So I just sat down with these guys and uh, basically explained where they're going, how long they're going, what kind of hunting they're doing, if it's you know backpack overnight camping or if it's truck trailhead or staying at a cabin, um, and also what's in their backpack. Um, some guys like to be minimalist, some guys like to be, you know, packed to the hills. And, and I think these two guys, I didn't even know it. Um, but I want, I found out that, um, Justin's more of a minimalist and Ryan's more of a, uh, prepared, uh, guy for, you know, extra batteries or needs an extra release after you, uh, need to visit the men's room and you forget it. <laughs> so, um, great interview from both of these guys and also mix in at the end, what's in my pack and where I'm going. So enjoy the show, everybody. All right, boys and girls, we got on the line from Park Rapids, Minnesota. Um, Ryan Matson, Ryan and his brother were on the show, oh, I don't know how many episodes back, but uh, we chatted about elk hunting with them, and now it's uh, almost time. So we're going we're gonna to see from a few folks on you know where they're going, when they're leaving, what they're doing, they're set up on their bow, and kind of most importantly of this whole, uh, whole you know, episode is the – what's in their backpack and what kind of hunting they're doing, you know, to result what's in your backpack. So Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, not too bad. Good, man. Good. And, uh, it sounds like you got in a little dilemma before elk season. Yeah, I did. I <laughs> busted up my wrist, I guess you could say. <laughs> so you haven't been shooting for how many weeks? And five weeks. Five, six Since weeks. it happened. Yep. All right, I, were you pretty bummed right away? Yeah, I, I was. I was worried. I didn't know if I was even gonna be able to go. Okay, so now you're gonna, you're going regardless, though. Yep, yep, regardless. You're gonna give it the old uh, the old shoot and try uh, next week, you say? Yep, I'm probably gonna limit myself to thirty yards. So. Okay, just for the pound, you cranking your poundage way down, or what? what what's your plan? No, I'm just gonna. I'm just leaving everything the way it is. I'm just. Confident. I guess the confidence thing more than anything. Okay. Cool, man. Well, hopefully, uh, I mean, how many percentage of the shots are that close anyway? Right. I've both elk I killed were they're under 25 yards. So. Perfect. Well, it's your left arm, right? Yep. Okay. So, so not a whole lot of pressure on that, and should be might hurt a little bit, but uh, if you got to pull one arrow back, you should be all right. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I wish, I wish, I hope you can get out there and hope you can pull one back because uh, it's a, something that you wait for all year long. And, yeah. And that's that's the cool thing. And I mean, boys and girls, Ryan and his brother are the ones that got me into archery, and and now they got me into this elk thing. That's another beast on top of it. So, uh, um, I don't know. A lot of people ask me, you know, what you want to go out there with a rifle right away, and I said, no, man. I mean, if I could get one with the elk, that'd just be a bigger accomplishment. Yeah. So. But uh well cool. Let's uh let's see where you're going then and uh when you're leaving. 
Uh, we are heading to Island Park, Idaho, and we are leaving on the fifth. Okay. Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. Okay. Get that extra day in there. Yep. Um, so how many hours is it out there from where you're at? Uh, it's a 14-hour drive from where, from where from here. Okay. Not too bad at all. That's what, my, what mine is. I think mine's 14 and a half. Okay. So, and uh, how many guys are going? I would be four of us. Four guys. Okay. And that's all public land, correct? Yes, sir. All right. And you guys hunted this piece of property before? Our area? Yep, we've hunted, yeah, we've been hunting the same area for the last, uh, it'll be my fifth year, but we've been, our group has been hunting this area for the last, I think, seven years now. Okay. Okay. So you have a little in out there as far as kind of where you're going and where you're staying, you know what's going on. Yeah, we got, you know, most of our spots are our go-tos, so we got like three, yeah. four, three four go-to spots that are always produced. Okay. Well, it seems like you do all right out there for doing it yourself and no guide, right? No guide? Nope, no guide. Yeah. It's that Indian trait you got, I always tell you. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. Well, cool, man. Uh, So, Island Park, Idaho. What's elevation out there like? Uh, It ranges from, like, 7,000 to 8,500. Okay. And it all depends kind of where they're at as far as that goes? Yeah. Okay. So what kind of hunting, I guess, are you doing? Are you doing the backpack hunting, you know, you're packing in, or are you doing the cabin thing or staying in your truck or trailhead? Yeah, we we, we do the day hunts. We uh, got a cabin that we rent, and then we uh, just hunt from the truck every day. Okay. So you basically drive in on trailhead, usually the same one, or depending where the elk are? Yep. Okay. So how do you... When you're doing the day hunt thing, um, how do you go about locating, you know, are you there super early in the morning and listening for those early morning bugles, or how do you guess you go about that? Um, for us, it was, I don't know, we just pick a trailhead, and having the experience that we have out there now, we don't we don't have to lo- necessarily locate anything. Okay. We, we got, you know, our pins. Sure. And the next that we... So you kind of just weave through, you know, where you've had the success in the past and whatnot. And yep. I mean, like you say, if you you get into the sign, you'll you'll slow down and you know hunt it very stealthy and try to sneak in on them. Yeah, most of our I guess our hunting would be bedding based. We have areas picked out or that we figured out and found. Okay. And then we don't necessarily even have to call anymore now. Like we uh, just hike in and sneak in there. And, you can tell by the sign, or you'll hear them on the way in. They don't even have to call sometimes. Really? Yeah. So you can sneak right in them and <clears throat> get an arrow in if, you, if that's a possibility. Yeah. And I've heard that. I've heard that of guys like guys that are super stealthy and go hunt super slow, and all of a sudden you're surrounded by elk. Yep, that's actually how we killed Goss's 2018 bull. Really? Yep. There was uh, a spot that they had found. And then we figured it out that it was actually better to sneak into it because it was so close to the road that it was better to sneak into it than actually let them know that you're there. Really? Yep. So, I mean, you, have you, did you shoot it bedded down? No, we actually jumped him. And then uh, we were actually climbing up the mountain and we jumped him. And he sat there and looked at us for a little while and then 
took off. I think his, we couldn't see the cows, but we think he had cows. Okay. And we could hear something take off, so then he took off because he was sitting there staring us down because he didn't know what we were. Right. And, and we waited like probably 45 minutes, and then we started sneaking in and actually caught him coming back in the bed. No kidding. So yep. persistence and time paid off on that one. Yeah. So you never tried to call him back in? Nope. We never never got to hear that bo- that bull's bugle. Wow. Oh, and that was early September as well? That was the 16th, I believe. Okay. So when does Idaho open? I think it's the 31st or the 1st. I think it's the 31st. Okay. August. Yep. Okay. So that's just a different way of hunting. So, I mean, you guys do start working the calls if you're hearing the bull's bugle as well, right? Yep. Yep. So it all depends what's going on in, in that year. Cool. Well, um, so what kind of setup are you running then for, you know, your archery setup? I mean, uh, maybe explain your arrow setup. Everybody's got a different rhyme or reason for everything. So uh let you take it up there. Yeah, I'm just, I'm shooting uh Elite Energy 32, uh, 65 pounds. I'm a short guy, so I got a short draw. I got a 26 and a half inch draw, and I'm shooting Gold Tip Pro Hunters with 125 grain iron will. Okay. Um, them Gold Tips that you're shooting, are those, are those micros or are those standards? The standards. The standards, okay. Standards yep. I'm shooting too, yeah. Um, 400 spine, so I'm I'm a short short draw like guy, so that's why I went with the 125 grain head. Okay, sure, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, everybody's got a different reason for their setup, but I think if you can narrow it down and try a few different things and see what works for you, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a shot placement, man, and and uh, make sure you have a sharp, you know, brand new broadhead on there. Yep. So, how many arrows you arrows you carrying? I carry four. You carry four. All broadheads or one field tip? All broadheads. All broadheads. Do you carry a field tip in the whitetail woods? I I don't, actually. I've thought really? about, you know, running like a, not a field point, but a judo point. Okay. But I, I never actually have. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a weird one. I always got one in my pocket for some that's, reason. but that's uh a bad idea. Yeah, right, you know, for raccoon or squirrel for lunch or something, you know. <laughs> um, what kind of uh, pins are you running up front? I'm running Bot Hog. I think it's, I can't remember, it's an older older model. I got I bought it brand new 2015, so I can't remember exactly which side it is, but I got five pins. Five pins, and that's uh, um, non-adjustable, just solid? Yep, yep solid. Now you're running a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60? I run 0 to 30 and then up from there. So 30, 40, 60, 70, 50, 60. Okay. 50. So your 30 pin is just going to be a little bit short on that uh, on that 20. Yeah. It'll or a little be, bit high, I should say. Yeah, it's half, two inches high. Okay. Yeah. So there's nowhere to aim. Yep. Okay. More and more uh, guys are starting to do that the way it seems. I mean, the balls are so fast now and whatnot. It's just like... You know, you don't have to waste that extra pin. You can drop it, you know, for extra yardage. Yep. So, great, man. So, well, let's get to your pack. I mean, so since you are day hunting and, you know, you're hunting from the truck every morning, um, 
What kind of pack are you running? I am running excellent mountain gear. Excellent mountain gear. Okay. Um, that's a good pack I've heard, huh? Yeah, I really love it. Okay. Is that something you got you get fitted for, or you just kind of feel it out and you know made some adjustments for yourself over the years? Uh they they do make I guess it is adjustable as far as your pack height, and then they make different sizes of waist belts. Okay. And uh, you got the problem like me. I mean, you're a smaller guy than me even, but uh, like my pack cinched up pretty much 100%. And it, and yeah, it fits I, just fine. Yep, I got it on the small setting on the on the on the back straps or you know on the, the pads, and then yeah, the small small waistband. So it's I got it cinched up tight. Sure. Cool. All right. So, well, what's what's in your pack then? I mean, uh, on, on a daily hunt, what what do you see in your pack? Run through it. Okay, I got four game bags. I run the, I got some antimicrobial game bags from, I believe they're Hula Buck brand. Okay. Got, got them from Shields. Okay. And then I got, I run usually two knives, one for a backup, and then I got a, a knife sharpener. It's a little a small compact sharpener that's got carbide in ceramic okay um first aid kit compass uh, fire starter lighter and and matches got uh electrical tape uh, extra battery for my range finder uh, extra release in case i lose one Got emergency blanket along with the first aid kit, a map, extra flashlight, um, wind checker. Yeah, I got two liter, two liter uh, Camelback water saw. I run. Um, see, so I got trekking poles. Air spray, pistol. I, I run a 44 meg. Um, cleaning gloves, calls. I got small reeds, and I got a open, open reed call call. Okay. Um, I got rope for hanging quarters if we need to. And I, I threw in a threw in a knee clean knee sleeve this year. Just in case for packing up meat. What was that? You, what was that, Ryan? Uh, neoprene knee sleeve. Okay, knee sleeve. Okay. Yeah. Just I, my right knee has been bothering me, so <laughs> don't need to blow out a knee on the mountain. <laughs> well, that's because you're getting old. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Anything else that you're that you're forgetting? Oh, I got a tarp. I run a tarp for throwing meat on or makeshift tent. Absolutely. That's too much. Yeah, well, that's a good. I mean, just you don't you don't think about all the stuff that you know you need in that pack for you know a different situation. Like you say, what if you took your release off and and or it ripped or you caught caught on something, you know, and you need another one. Well, um, yeah, dude, I mean, you go do some paperwork and you take your release off and. <laughs> <laughs> pretty easy to leave behind. <laughs> I mean, 
Have you done that before, Ryan? Uh, we've. I haven't personally done it, but one of you know, one of the guys you hunt with has, has done it, and then you get to start hiking, and then you get a mile, mile further, and then you realize you don't have your release on. <laughs> we've done done that with the release and with the bugle tube, so. Oh my. Get oh my gosh, <laughs> that's crazy. So you're running the uh, you're running the bear spray and the handgun, which is you know smart choice. And I know some guys pick one or the other, or if they're hunting in groups, one guy's got the spray and one guy's got the gun kind of thing, and you just decide to run both, huh? Yeah, most of the time, yeah. Okay, and that 44 mag is that a revolver or a uh, regular pistol? Yeah, it's a Smith and Wesson revolver. Okay, and then you hang that from the side of your pack. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the kind of what I'm looking at too, and hanging inside my pack because you want to get that pack tight around your hips, you know. So, um, so you got the game bags. Yeah, the the tarp actually acts as such a cool thing, you know. If if you need to, you know, tent it up for the night, you definitely can do that because you know a lot of times out west there's not there's not many bugs, you know, as far as like Minnesota. Yeah. You don't need that full blown tent and first aid kit. Um, so you got the fire starter. You got electrical tape, batteries for everything, I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay. And uh, let's see, what else did I find? Emergency blanket. So basically, it keeps you warm, right? Yeah. In a situation. Okay. Um, wind checker is kind of a huge musk, and you're obviously carrying uh, binos on the front, right? Yes, sir. I run okay. the marsupial vital harness. Okay. And then a range finder on the there's a rangefinder uh, little pack on the side of that. Okay, so you're running rangefinder up front as well. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, and then uh, two knives, a sharpener, and uh, you got cleaning gloves. Yeah, I always keep, I mean, all that stuff right together so it's always ready to go so you can feel yep. comfortable. You can get well wiped down. So, awesome, man. Well, uh, how much does your pack weigh? You ever weighed it? I actually never weighed it. No. I'm I'm guessing around 25 pounds. Some, somewhere around there, I'm assuming. That's why I kind of weighed mine the other day, too. So um, what are you running for gear as far as that goes and kind of what's the temperature range out there where you're at? Um, I run uh, First Light, their, their base layer stuff, I guess. Okay. All, all their lightweight merino. Yep. Usually I wear just two, two layers on top and then pants. It's usually, it's a little bit on the light side for in the morning, but once you start hiking, you warm up fast. Because so. it's about, what, 35 degrees in the morning and 70 during the day? Yeah, 35 to 40, and then, yeah, up 70, 75 during the day. Right, because the biggest thing is, like, you know, you, if you can fight that cold for the first hour and a half or, you know, two hours, um, you know, it sucks to pack around that, that extra weight all day. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, uh, I, I do. I'll, I, I'll, I'll run a rain jacket if I look at the forecast and think it's gonna rain. Sure. I'll uh, either wear it or I'll just throw it in the pack. So I got it. Sure. So then uh, you're running Christie Booth, I believe. Yep, I'm running the Summits. Cool. And uh, face paint. I'm not a face paint guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're dirty enough, right? That's what I think when I'm out there. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, last but not least, have you do, been doing any training? Yeah, being uh, that I can't work up any upper body stuff, I've been doing a lot of leg leg work, but leg work and cardio. 
Okay. Sure. Cool, man. Well, I think that both sums it up. I mean, I, I would appreciate your time and whatnot. And so you're going to Island Park, Idaho with four guys, and you're leaving on the 5th. How long are you going to be out there? Oh, we're going to do it two weeks this year. Two weeks. Just the way cool. that the calendar, the calendar fell with the extra, extra day for Memorial or the Labor Day. And every, every year it seems like it grows, too. We started out a week, and then it went to 10 days, and now we're up to two weeks. So, Awesome, man. Awesome. So it's uh, you and your brother, right? Yep, my older brother, Ross. Okay. And then uh, my brother-in-law and a cousin. Okay, perfect, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and we're definitely going to we'll check in with you after the hunt and see how it went and see uh, hopefully some success stories. Yeah, hopefully. I hope you guys get something, too. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate being on the show and, and putting your input and providing information, man. Not a problem. Alrighty. Once again, Ryan Matson with Park Rapids, Minnesota, heading out uh, chasing those uh, those big old bulls. So uh, we'll get right back to it. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you'd like to be a part of this radio show and podcast with a support sponsorship program, please shoot us an email at Racks and Reels mn at hotmail.com or message us in one of the social media platforms. Now back to it. Well, I think you ought to try whiskey, baby Well, I think you ought to try gin Well, gin sounds kind of risky, baby Whiskey makes me cringe Yeah, but whiskey makes you frisky, baby Oh, much to my chagrin Well, I think you ought to try whiskey, baby Well, I think you ought to try gin Whiskey makes me feel as though I'm smart and tough and tall It makes me think of things I never thought about at all That's true. And I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to at least try A drop of corn or rye or wheat or barley before they die You ought to try whiskey, babe Well, I think you ought to try gin Well, gin sounds kind of risky, babe Oh, whiskey makes me cringe Yeah, but whiskey makes you frisky, babe Oh, much to my chagrin Well, I think you ought to try whiskey, babe Well, I think you ought to try gin Well, I think you 
whiskey, babe. But whiskey makes me cringe. Yeah, but whiskey makes you frisky, babe. Oh, much to my chagrin. Well, I think you ought to try whiskey, babe. Well, I think you ought to try gin. I think you ought to try whiskey, babe. I think you ought to try gin. Maybe I have. All right, folks, on the line next, we have a long-time buddy, I guess. Think of, like, fifth grade is Justin Bidwell's on the line, right? Justin, about fifth grade, I think. That sounds right. Whenever you came over from St. Tim's and and joined us public school kids. That's right. (laughs) Good thing and a bad thing. Well, my life changed forever that day, but Uh, (laughs) good or bad, to be determined, we'll see. Now you're stuck with me, and uh, you're going to be at my wedding, and uh, just got back from my bachelor party, and is your headache gone yet? It's it's gone. It wasn't too bad. I behaved myself compared to some other folks up there, but that's that's okay. You were the driver. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to be a little responsible on Saturday night when we were going to all the little bars up there. (laughs) I think we shot like seven boxes of clay pigeons. Yeah, I wasn't feeling it. Like Saturday when we were shooting, but Sunday when I woke up, I could feel it up in my shoulder. I'm like, gosh, I just don't, I don't shoot that much trap at all. It's just a fun thing every now and then. So, right, that was a good. That time. was sore. Oh yeah. Every everybody minded their p's and q's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, we got Justin on the line here because he is, uh, man, I feel like a rookie to some of these guys going elk hunting that I've interviewed and what's in their backpacks and such, but. Um, Justin's been going for a few years now, and he's headed out, I think, the day after we are. And uh, so I just want to ask him kind of where he's going, when he's leaving, and uh, all the good stuff about his setup and his backpack. So I guess when are you heading out, Justin? Uh, We are headed out September 5th. We're going to hit the road. Um, I can't remember exactly how long it takes, but it's got to be 18 hours, I'm going to guess. Especially okay. With truck and trailer going through. Sure, sure. And now you're going to a brand new unit this year, right? Yeah, this is this is kind of brand new for all of us. Um, normally, we're up in Northwest Colorado, and we kind of take advantage of an outfitter out there that buys us up the mountain. We do a little drop camp, um, keep a bunch of our food in a, a cooler in a creek. Kind of, I'd say the five star treatment with with the outfitter compared to doing the backpacking thing. So. This year we're headed southwest Colorado, going to go check out a unit um, that my dad and the other guy that are hunting with us are going to do a mule deer hunt two years from now. They've been building up all the preference points out there and going to cash them in and do a high country hunt. So this year is chase the elk, um, but try to get a feel for the land out there too so they can go back in a couple of years and go for some mule deer. Okay. Perfect, man. So what uh... – what unit are you headed to? Um, 65 is the unit. Okay. And it's a pretty big unit, I guess. Are you coming in from the east side? or? Yeah. So I think, you know, we were talking, I guess there, there's some dangerous roads getting out there. So we're, I think we're going to kind of go south and get around there. Um, but not a not really my decision. I'm just jumping in and driving every now and then when they need a break. So. Sure. When you when you talk about dangerous roads, what just just some minimum maintenance road kind of thing? Um, going up and over the Rockies. Okay. Just, uh, a lot of bad accidents, I guess, and then 
going with truck and trailer, bad weather, not a great combo, but we'll sure. make it through. We'll make it through. <laughs> oh, man, so you're going to have to really rough it this year. Um, how is the fire situation out where you're going? Have you heard? Um, from what I can tell, it seems like there's some fires a little bit west of where we are. Okay. Um, looks like a pretty decent-sized burn. And we've kind of dealt with it in the past, too, where nothing that's been direct in our unit that's that's kind of really messed us up or any of our hunting plans in the past. But I think it was about two years ago we had some burns not far off where you could see the haze um, every day looking across. Uh, definitely could tell elk were a little bit different. How do you – I mean, how do you think they – they're reacting as far as that when there was a fire. I mean, they're not, they don't act a ton of different, but they, you know, how do I say it? They're, they're not going to be in exact places where they're normally at. Yeah. It was, you know, me being somewhat of a rookie, especially back then too, it was only my third year being out there. Um, it was kind of tough to, to peg them and see, you know, did that split up the herd and where'd they go? Um, because there was some pretty lush stuff that kind of started growing back through, but I don't think it was quite enough to keep the elk away from us. It's, it's always that tough to tell, are they going back to this, this undergrowth and this nice lush green feeding over there, or are they still hanging out where they have been? And they put, I certainly pushed some elk out of that area too, but tough to tough to pin it down, to be honest with you. Yeah, because I I went uh, I was listening to a, a show this morning about elk and wildfires and whatnot, and and uh, they said they've shot a couple bulls in like where the fire went over and where like this there was a stump that was smoldering, so it was almost like the elk like found some water and found a low land and just hunkered down and like somehow made it through the fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know these things, at least in my experience, we've only spent one of the past five years that I've been out there later in the season, normally we're going right away, like the first two weeks of archery hunting. Um, I think it was that same two years ago. Uh, my dad and another guy had a, a muzzleloader hands and burned a few of their points. That year, bugles started picking up, you know, right away when we got there compared to normally we're just doing cow calling early on, rarely hearing the bugles, um, but they start heating up and they start chasing. And for me, who's just whitetail and elk, it's my, my archery experience, they do some dumb stuff. You know, they, they start getting getting hot and chasing around the cows. I'm not <laughs> terribly surprised that you find them in some of that crap. If, if they think there's somebody over there, they'll go check it out and, you know, food, water, trying to stay cool. Yeah, That's well, it's funny. It's funny you say that because my cousin last year when he was out, he goes, "These animals are so dumb. Why would you go to the top of the mountain? And there's no food, <laughs> there's no water, there's nothing there. Why can't you stay below?" Yeah. But anyway, yeah. well, well, cool, man. I wanted to. I mean, yeah, it looks like there's one, like you say, and uh, they, there's their percentage of containing them. I talked to a friend out there uh, a couple of days ago. He said there's still like 10 percent on a few of them. So, I mean, the, the, the downfall is there's no no rain in the forecast for the next seven or ten days. So yeah. it doesn't help. Yeah, that's that's but. the tough part is it's tough to get consistent weather out there, too. You know, there's some days where you start off and hunt the morning. It's bright and sunny and hot, and 
half hour later, there's a storm rolling through and mountain weather. It's kind of like our, our lake effects that we get up here, just something to compare it to just pops out of nowhere. And sure. We can hope for. Yeah. No kidding. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I want to go through your setup as far as that goes, maybe starting with, well, basically the elevation on the unit you're going to, what is the elevation range that you're planning on hunting? You know, this one, a little bit different than where we've been in the past. Um, I'll, I'll kind of start with in the past. We were probably around 9,500, maybe 10,000 okay. feet most of the time. Um, and our little base camp was at 9,000. This one, I'm assuming we're going to kind of stick in that same range um, just because it does get some kind of high tops out there where those mule deer, deer are hanging out, but maybe not so much the elk. Okay. So probably sticking around that 10,000 feet. Okay, sure. So, and you guys, three guys going with you, right, including you? Uh, two, two others besides me. Normally three, yes, but we're miss, missing one, one guy, longtime buddy of my dad's that uh, is fighting some cancer and physically not okay. able to do it this year. Bummer. Bummer. Yeah, tough go. Well, that's why they say this, you know, this kind of hunting, you know, you only have so many good years to do it, uh, which yeah. is kind of the downfall. But uh, what uh, what's your archery setup looking like as far as your bow goes and, and from your, you know, your stabilizer to your rest to sights and, and arrow setup? Sure. Out there, I kind of, I take the stabilizer off um, just just to keep that extra weight off me all day hunting. Um, normally, I think it's it's like a bee stinger or something that sticks out, nothing fancy. Okay. Uh, but I'm I'm shooting the same Mission Eliminator, the original one. Uh, I think I was talking with, with David about it this weekend. I think it's been about 10 years that I've had that bow. <laughs> hasn't let me down yet. And shot an elk last year. A handful of whitetail, nothing with antlers on it, unfortunately. Um, but Mission Eliminator, I got a five-pin spot hog for my sights and i absolutely love it the pins are nice and small light up bright um, those are good drop away rest um, shooting the true fire release we did make that arrow change me and you were talking about it before um, just going with a little bit heavier uh, arrow a little more center weight to the front but still shooting 100 grains on it um, and just shooting targets with it seems to be a little more stud when it hits that, that target, so we'll see how that pans out. And so last year, shooting my elk went right through, no big deal. Uh, haven't had too many problems with getting the pass through on it. But obviously, a little more weight, a little more energy never hurts with these big animals. Uh, what else? What what arrow are you running? What, what weight arrow are you running? 350. Oh uh, yeah, I think they're the 350s. 350. Sure. Yeah. And what what tips are you running on those? Um, I'm shooting, I think they're called T3s by G5. They're expandables. Um, yeah. A little bit more sturdy than the old Rage. I know Rage has made a lot of changes. Um, and they used to have that, that rubber band that kind of yep. sat around it before it yep. died. Now they went metal. These are, sounds like the same thing as Rage. Just haven't, haven't had a need to make the switch, to be honest with you. I've been really happy with how these shoot animals from the whitetail to the elk. Yeah, I think I think honestly, like the whole, you know, the, the the broadhead thing. Everybody's got their preference, and me and Ryan talked about this. Uh, the guy here on the on the show with you, but we talked about this too. Is like, man, it, it it all depends on that shot placement and whatever flies better with your arrow setup. Um, 
I had some slick tricks last year, fixed blades that I just couldn't get to fly straight. I was just couldn't get happy with it. And I've shot rages for how many years and how many animals, and yeah. I'm just happy with it. And I went to their no collars this year, and I'm like overly excited about it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, so. it, that's always true. It doesn't whether you're pulling 100 pounds or 50 pounds. It's all about that shot placement, anyways. If you put it where it belongs, it's going to do the job. So. Yeah. So you take your stabilizer off. That's crazy. I, I, uh, I made mine longer with more weight on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to scrap like every ounce that I can as far as getting weight off me when we're doing these all day hunts and carrying everything on your back. That one, uh, I learned that the first year, my my first day out there. I know my my father would attest to this. That I got my butt kicked the first day. I was pumped. You know, it was my first year, first day out there. Had nice weather, a um, lot of elk sign from smell to, to scat and tracks and all that stuff, and I'm pumped. By the end of that day, I was shot, and that was that was kind of when I learned, hey, if you got extra equipment on you. You don't want to carry it around all day. It it right. ends up wears you down. So that's that's kind of my thing. Is and I I practice all summer without it on there. Just make sure I'm used to it. Right. We were talking as well. You know, in the mornings there's you know a little bit chilly, but if you can bear those first you know hour and a half to two hours before it gets 50 degrees outside, I mean you don't have to pack that extra jacket with you all day the rest of the day. You know, if you can bear yeah. it for a couple hours. Absolutely. So, well, let's uh, let's switch to your your backpack, I guess. So, I mean, basically, there's I would say there's three different types of elk hunting. There's you know hunting from the truck and you know staying in a cabin, and there's hunting um, you know from the trailhead where you're camping at the trailhead, and there's hunting where you're you know backpacking in and stopping when it gets dark out and going from there the next day. So, what uh, what are you guys looking to do uh, this year? Early on, game plan is bust out those binoculars, see if we can see anything uh, before we just go heading in. But we are planning on doing a little bit of hunting from the truck. Hopefully we can kind of close to a trailhead that's up there where we're not having to start our day with a 1,000 or 2,000 foot climb. So yep. that, that knocks you down real quick. But, you're, then, but you guys are going kind of 100% blind. I mean... You've done yep. your e-scouting, but 100% blind, so you don't yep. have to find a spot with the first couple of days of when you get there. Yep. Yeah, and, okay. and for us, you know, the biggest thing is just finding water. If we find water, we'll be okay ourselves and camping. Um, so that's that's kind of mission number one, and then hopefully be in and around elk in the meantime. But planning for three or four days at a time, staying back there with all the dehydrated meals, all that good stuff, um, but nothing – you know, nothing too crazy. We're not going for a week on our own. We're planning on going back to the truck. And we've always talked about when we do our longer nine or 10 day hunts, how awesome it'd be just to get down and shower once in the middle <laughs> and just feel like a human. Um, right. So we, we might do that because we'll, we'll be out there two full weeks for this one. No kidding. Two full weeks. Awesome. Awesome. So mainly you're going to hunt from the truck. Do you have any plans of staying over? If you don't, um, we'll we'll be ready for both. You know, we're okay. gonna bring cots for the trailer. Um, we got tents and, and sleeping bags and pads and all that good stuff ready to rock and roll if we do decide to go in for a while. Um, One night or two nights. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Jet so cool. Oil, so, all that good stuff. Yeah, them jet boats are so cool. <laughs> I have one myself, and I can't wait to 
put it to use. I may have put it to use on little things, you know, little trips and whatnot, but uh, can't wait to fire that thing up and make my coffee in the morning. I'll be happy camper. Yeah. So, um, so, so say you're, you know, the majority of it sounds like you're going to do that truck trailhead, uh, hunting. So let's go through your backpack as far as what you're bringing with, what's everything in your backpacks for that day hunt. Oh, for the day hunt, you know, yeah. always, always having at least two game bags in our packs. Um, and now I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the new knife that I just got from my dad. Um, but it absolutely just slices those suckers up. <laughs> the knife, game bags, um, I carry like two bottles of water. And okay. this year we're going to bring, we bought some of those fancy straws that purify stuff. So we're going to take a little risk there and it might be sucking out of a stream. Hopefully I don't end up with that beaver fever. <laughs> but uh, the water, you know, typically we're going to pack like one sandwich for lunch just to hang out there peanut butter and jelly Uh, yeah what else we go down there we we used to carry rain gear we've kind of got away from that just again goes back to weight we've been using the the first light stuff and that merino wool and it's been phenomenal um sure and in the past you know we've always had our camp to go back to it's never really been that big of a deal you know if you got soaking wet and your boots are wet and you want to take them off and, and change. We were never that far from camp where you couldn't do that. Um, this year, aside from having to make a trip back to the truck, uh, planning on doing the same thing. So it might bring one heavier layer of stuff, which is a little thicker. Um, I think it's called like a, a Labrador jacket or something like that, where a little more to it helps cut the wind too if that gets bad and you're wet. Uh, but as far as rain gear, trying to keep that out of our packs as much as possible. Okay, and interesting. Yeah, it's, you know that that stuff. After we started using that, absolutely swear by it. Uh, White tails in it. I don't intend to hunt anything else but it. Super comfortable. Keeps you uh, keeps your scent down too. You can wear it for five days at a time and not feel like you're stinking up the place. Um, yeah, I feel you. I love that stuff. So that that's kind of like our our life support out there for clothing. Um, what else we got in those packs? Binoculars this year, probably more than ever. Just trying to keep our eyes up, and we'll we'll spend some time behind the binoculars this year, going in okay. blind and, and not knowing where these suckers are at. Um, otherwise, you know, kind of come over the last few years of, of trying to be minimalist on this stuff, as sure. far as not loading up. So some small first aid stuff. And that's that's kind of all I can think of at the top of my head. I mean, I wear a really light pack when we're doing these hunts. Um, it's like a $50 bag that's okay. not even as big as my own back, um, trying to keep it light. My dad's always had a, had a Badlands pack that he's used in the past. Now, he made sure. a big upgrade this year, and he's he's got a, one of those mystery ranch. I think he went with the Beartooth, kind okay. of a bigger pack. This year, mostly in case we get a quarter of an animal. Um, and I'm still tossing and turning on if I want to do the same or just wear an old pack frame. And sure. Similar, but, you know, nothing fancy about it. So we'll see on that. Um, I think that's about it. And then, what about, uh, what about like a headlamp and flashlight and all that good stuff? Yep. We've got, got headlamps that we keep in the packs. Um, 
That's that's about it. You know, and we okay. we've been starting to rely a little more. We've been playing with Onyx this year too, and using that while we're out there, being on this public ground, new area, um, being able to mark stuff, share it. So we'll see. Um, in the past, it's we've kind of always known where we were at in the unit, didn't really need to, but we have a, at least one phone on us most of the time. A battery device for it, probably too. Yeah, we've had okay. really good luck. We bought a solar panel off Amazon for like 35 bucks last year and, and bring a little 9-volt battery and hook that sucker up. And Heck yeah. That's, leave that at camp, let it charge all day, and that seems to give us quite a bit of juice, especially even with three guys. It hasn't really given us any problems. Okay. So you're not a trek pole kind of guy then? No. <laughs> I mean, I think my dad might be rocking those. He talked about okay. it. He, we found one like two years ago after he'd shot an elk, and then he hung on to that thing for the next like six or seven days and swore by it. He's like, I see why these guys like these, these poles. <laughs> Point you back, and I think he might even be planning on bringing one himself. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think I'm going to need some sticks if I, if I end up getting an elk and and getting it back, but uh, I'm sure I'll regret it, you know, but like you say, then you're packing another extra weight with too, so it's a love-hate relationship, so yeah, what, about, what about what um, what about bear spray or uh, handgun? Um, we've always had a handgun in camp, okay. even even northwest. There's always that off chance that you could get a grizzly that wanders down from Wyoming or something, but we've never really had a problem with bears, um, okay. only after you kill them. Then, then they are on those carcasses so fast, always black bears. Man, oh man, they they find them instantly. So you know, if you do get that, you know, and then you quarter the the animal out, you can't get it all out. You're recommending bringing that in them quarters a couple hundred yards away from that uh, carcass to get yeah, them that we, day. You know, we've all the elk that I've been a part of. Um, the one that was shot in the evening, after we got everything all cleaned up, and, and two of the guys were waiting. Um, for the second round to come back and, and finish taking all the meat out. They drug it a little bit, and, and mostly because it was close to a trail. Um, and occasionally we'll get some hikers going through and in the outfitter would have horses. So trying to be mindful of that. Uh, but otherwise, haven't had too many bear problems, but they're always on it. I mean, you give it one day, come back to that kill site, and those those things will drag it. So it's absolutely incredible when, when I think about how tough it is for just me and my dad to flip it over to get the, the other two quarters off and yeah. not half it off, and that bear will drag that thing 100 yards, no problem. But, yeah, nothing nothing that's ever given us problems or even been around us, so they're, those black bears stay away. Yeah, yeah, no no, no doubt about that, you know. But, uh, well, that's cool, man. You're kind of a minimalist and uh, just kind of bare bones what you need and, you know, obviously some, you know, um, obviously some uh, first aid stuff and, you know, those those deals for safety. But, uh, you know, a lot of guys pack, you know, double this, double that and another release. Yeah. And, and But it's all what makes you comfortable because, man, when you're out there, um, you know, speaking, you know, for you know, my experience, you, you, your mind uh, gets pushed back a little bit harder than, than what you think it's going to be. You know, you know it's going to be hard, but it is a mental game and you're out there and you're a very small person. So whatever makes you more comfortable is the – is the option. Yeah, 100%. You know, at least for me, I'd, I'd tell you for sure that while it is physically demanding at times, it's just as much a mental game out there, especially when you're 
three days, can't find elk, can't get close. You know, you smell them, you're finding fresh tracks, can't see them. And <laughs> staying on them and, and trying your best to keep your head up and always be ready because I, I can count three of my missed opportunities that happen when I least expected it. You know, after a call, called in a bull, didn't get close enough, turn and there's a cow just right there. <laughs> and it's, you know, I'm not ready, and I, I blow the opportunity. But so, so uh, September 5th. Uh, how long are you going? You said two weeks. Yeah, yeah, we're planning on being out there two weeks. So, getting back, you know, maybe as late as the 20th. We'll see. Okay. You know, if we, if we can't find elk for the last five days of the hunt, then maybe we'll head home a little early. But that's that's the plan anyway. Just leave the 5th and at least be back by late Sunday night, the 20th. Cool. Very cool, man. Well, I can't can't wait to hear. Uh, we'll have to have you on and see your experiences and your maybe a day by day little uh, deal after after you get back. Yeah, yeah, it's always oh. a lot of fun. Well, cool, man. Well, it sounds like uh, sounds like I'm gonna call you the minimalist with the with the older bow and the you know and yep. the, the the simple bag. But man, there's nothing nothing against that. Nothing against yeah. that at all. Yeah, I try to you know, and I always tell myself like if it's at camp it's only a little bit of a walk away and I can survive one day without it. As long as I got my bow, got my release, I'll tough it out that day if I forget something or regret not bringing it. Heck yeah. See, wearing that first light uh, stuff head to toe kind of deal with base or base layer stuff. Yep. Yep. That one. Oh, shoot. What are those pants called? They're just like a guide. I think the guide pants or something like that. Um, okay. And I'm not even, you know, just regular socks some wool well not regular socks wool socks regular underwear then i wear that that quarter zip and that's okay. pretty much it most of the day and you know sometimes if it if it's cold and windy in the morning i'll wear that heavier jacket right away until it warms up like you said yeah um, this year we do we've got like an ultra thin layer that we decided to go with this year um we we bought it thinking might use it for antelope in South Dakota because that's kind of next on the adventure list. Um, so trying to steal all that wonderful knowledge from these guys while they're willing to share it with me and they haven't lost it themselves. So, so oh, I bought like great. the super thin stuff and then that quarter zip and that'll kind of be my go-to out there is, is wearing those two and shedding when you need to. Cool. Very cool, man. Well, you always seem to run hot anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And that one, you know, even just thinking when when we're hunting too, kind of jump around on you here a little bit. Um, we're doing real slow, lots of calls, setting up, trying to be as patient as we can. You know, sit for minimum a half hour at a time if we're setting up a call, and then if we're moving, it is like stealthy, stealthy, slow is is our approach. Is especially if we know we're around elk at all, nice and quiet. Love those nice, cool, rainy days where your footprints get a little dampened, um, that kind of thing. And, and even there, it's almost just as challenging to walk slow and be quiet, and that'll that'll get me running hot, too. Plus, I know you had it last year, too. You get up there, even in the mountains, that sun comes out, it's hot. 70 degrees is still really hot when you're up there moving around. You can't get out of the sun. Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild, man. It's uh that was my next question is how how you're hunting and everybody's got their own way of doing things, you know, and I remember you always tell me slow, slow, slow and and you know, trying to all of a sudden you're right in the middle of them, you know. Yep. 
Yeah, that's so. kind of, you know, I'm I'm stealing everything from my dad on this one. He's been out there. Gosh, <laughs> this, this might be 12 years for these guys coming out and hunting elk. And, you know, we've, we've always found success being slow, stealthy, you know, trying to think of what actually takes down an elk out in the wild. What kind of animal does that? And it's always slow, stealthy, creep in on them, get nice and close, which is exactly what we're trying to do with that bow in our hands. Um, and we've had some success, my dad and his buddies more than I have with, um, hitting cow calls a lot and trying to pull a bull up to take a peek at what's hanging out over here. Um, but like I said, you know, we've never been there super late and even up, I think this is the first year, if I remember right, that Colorado changed their archery season to the first of September until the 30th. Okay. In the past, I think we'd, we've been out there, you know. I think already we'd be out there hunting like the 24th, 25th, we'd start hunts. So it's, it's super early in kind of like whitetails. They're not chasing those and these guys aren't chasing cows. So you can get some that are a little curious, but nothing crazy. I think you'll see the turn though, when you're out there, when we're both out there at the same time, I think we'll see that turn around the, you know, the eighth to the, you know, 13th, 14th is kind of what, they say they start turning on you, you know. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for, too. They'll start heating up while we're out there. And at least in the past, you know, going early, towards the tail end of our hunts, we're waking up and getting out there and he- hearing bugles. And at night, you can hear them screaming a little bit, too. So it, every day, it just gets a little bit better and better. Heck, yeah. Well, cool, man. I'm going to let you go. I uh, appreciate your information. And the best of luck to you, buddy. I, I can't wait to talk to you after. Yeah, you too, Mitch. So, all right. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, take care. Bye. Another great interview from my buddy Justin there. Um, It's just so cool to see how different everybody's pack is and and, and how they hunt. So um, I want to discuss my pack situation with you guys and where I'm going and my thing. I just got a few minutes here on the the last part of the podcast. But I'm going September 4th through the 15th. Uh, That includes the drive time. So I think we're going to get seven days of hunting in, if not maybe eight, depending on the situation. I'm going to uh, Kremlin, Colorado. I'm going to hunt Unit 27. Did that last year. Had a little bit of success on finding some elk, but uh, it was pretty pretty short-lived last year. So um, what I'm going to hunt, uh, man, it just depends on what the situation, if there's elk bugling, um, if we're seeing elk, if we're seeing sign, um, if they're responding to calls, I'll call back kind of thing, cow calls, um, bugles, depending what's working. Um, I think a lot of the, the first part of the things is we're going to try you know, putting the binoculars up right away um, when we get out there to see if we can see anything um talk to the rancher see if he's hearing any bugles in town whole thing so um don't be afraid to ask questions that's one of the biggest things and people want to help you because when you're out archery elk hunting man it's a it's a beast of itself so people like to see other people have success but uh that's the kind of hunting i'm doing um, what kind of hunting we're doing from the trailhead. Uh, we're planning on sleeping in my van, take the band van, take all the seats out, and me and my buddy are going out there. And uh, the main plan is to hunt from the vehicle in the morning on the trailhead. But if we need to stay overnight, we are prepared for that. So I hope we can do that at least a couple nights if we're on elk kind of thing. Um, 
I, I really, I, you know, staying over in the woods is, is kind of a different mental game, especially when you're out there with some, you know, mountain lions and some bears and stuff that's not in the Midwest. But uh, real quick through my pack, I have um, a knife, a sharpener, gloves, wet wipes, that's number one, <laughs> headlamp uh, with extra batteries, a battery pack for my phone, a lighter, some meat sacks uh, for the meat when we do be when we do come successful uh, tarp ziploc bags a stitch kit handgun bugle tube calls a rope with zip ties a rain jacket socks some extra pants if I have any room some gaiters for my feet um, wind checker some crocs some chapstick and then if I'm staying over it would be a sleeping pad sleeping bag and my blow-up pillow if I need that for the night. So, um, and jet boil, uh, plastic food for the day as well in my um, planned out meal prep, <laughs> so as I say. So lots of snacks and uh, that's about it. Um, I don't carry too much stuff, I guess, but I mean, according to that list, it, it all packs up pretty tight and it gets heavy real quick, so that's my setup and uh, I can't wait we got about uh, a week left after this podcast airs and I'm headed out so wish the best of luck to you guys if you are headed out west if you have any questions reach out um, to any one of those guys to be able to tell you exactly what they're doing so I'm real excited um, I real quick just as as far as that goes you know sharing my pack with you compared to them other guys but uh, we got in a good detail today about those guys and how they hunt and what's in their pack so thanks for listening to the racks and reels podcast guys i really appreciate it and if you have anybody out there that's looking to support this podcast um, i'd love to talk to them and uh, support your local outdoor show so have a good rest of your week and we'll see you next week and we'll update you um, from the elk woods after the hunt's over see ya Thanks for tuning in to Racks and Reels Minnesota. Re-listen to this episode and find previous shows wherever you find your favorite podcast. Find and follow Racks and Reels Minnesota on all major social media platforms. I'm your host, Mitch Gordon. Now get outside and do something. And don't forget those wet wipes. <laughs>